I received a letter this week that is a wonderful introduction to my message tonight. It's a letter that every pastor ought to receive every now and then. No, strike that. Every pastor ought to receive weekly, daily, hourly. Dear Lance, some time ago you threw out the challenge that if you would read five pages a day, you could read through the Bible in a year. In my many years of possessing a Bible, I had never read it through. I finished Revelation 22 this morning and look forward to beginning all over tomorrow morning. My wife and I are continuously expressing to each other and to God how thankful we are to be in a fellowship where we are encouraged to study the Word and to hear the Word preached so effectively from the pulpit. Thank you for the encouragement to know God better. And he signed his name. When I read that, and when I was preparing for tonight, I thought of the word diligence. Diligence. To start in Genesis 1-1 and to read to Revelation 22 takes diligence. And if you notice the title of the last section of the Proverbs that we will begin to study together, it is this title. But what does this have to do with my life? And the subtitle is, The Lazy Versus the diligent son. And if you want to turn in your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. We begin a whole new section of Proverbs tonight. We covered every verse of Proverbs 1 to 9 in an expository way. And the challenge, of course, for the expositor of the book of Proverbs is what to do when you come to Proverbs 10 to 31. There are some sections, of course, of Proverbs chapters 10 through 31 that lend themselves to more of a verse-by-verse understanding of the text. And then there are some sections which are so brief and appear to be so unrelated to each other that they seem to defy consecutive exposition. Anyone preaching the latter part of the Proverbs, however, is going to have to deal with it, it seems, topically, at least in some sense, even if he attempts to roughly stay within the same chapter as he deals expositorily. So maybe, for a lack of a better term, I'm going to preach 
Proverbs chapters 10 through 31 in a topical, textual manner, trying to pay close attention to each chapter as it unfolds, but not so slavishly so that we won't go outside of the chapter if we need to in order to speak to a particular topic which is being addressed by a proverb. Now we arrive tonight in Proverbs chapter 10 and there appear, appear to be four sections to Proverbs 10. We're going to cover only one of them tonight and we're going to leave verses 6 to 32 for another time. The first section is verses 1 to 5. The second, verses 6 to 11. The third, verses 12 to 18. And the fourth, verses 19 to 32. The topic we're going to cover in verses 1 to 5 is about a set of parents who desire to see their children working hard. To see their children leaving a legacy, and even to see the parents leave a legacy in their children, to see them leave a legacy, and even the parents themselves, to leave an estate, to see them carry through for the succeeding generations something behind. The topic of verses in verses 6 to 11, we might say, are a contrast of the wicked man's mouth versus the wise man's way, and we'll come to that in due course. The topic of verses 12 to 18 of Proverbs 10 are seven Proverbs of a more general nature, and in verses 12 to 18, excuse me, verses 19 to 32, Proverbs that contrast the wicked and the righteous, and we'll look at those as time allows. But tonight, I want us to focus in on those first five verses, and the lazy versus the diligent son. I couldn't get past those because of their level of importance in the day and age in which we live. Let's read them together. You follow along as I read. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish son is a grief to his mother. Ill-gotten gains do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord will not allow the righteous to hunger, but He will reject the craving of the wicked. Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a son who acts wisely, but he who gathers, he who does not gather, excuse me, he who sleeps in harvest is a son who acts shamefully. Now, contrary to what you might think, these first few verses in Proverbs 10 are not disjointed or unconnected. I believe they are definitely connected together. Because as Solomon is beginning his second section of Proverbs, and this second section actually 
which begins here in chapter 10, the first section, all the way from chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 9. All of that is one unit, one unit of thought. The second section, beginning in chapter 10, verse 1, and running all the way through to chapter 22, verse 16. All of that is a second main unit. And all of this, while seemingly scattered and random, actually these first five verses hang together, or so it seems to me. And I believe they're connected together because as Solomon is beginning this second section, he wants to tell his sons something about working hard. He's telling his own sons that they have a moral obligation to work hard to support their parents in their old age. Possibly referring to the idea that when their parents are too old to work for themselves, that they need to support them. And the entire flow of thought continues from verse 1 after the initial introductory title identifying Solomon as the author of these Proverbs. And he does that, of course, because later on, even after chapter 22, there are different authors of the Proverbs. And you'll know right at the end that there's a different author, Agur. Solomon is not the author, say, for instance, of chapter 31. It's Agur. Solomon is the author here. It says it, the Proverbs of Solomon. And yes, there is an editor, a redactor, someone who's taken the Proverbs of Solomon and arranged them, coming later, of course. This is the Proverbs of Solomon. Someone has arranged these. And Solomon, after this introductory title, wants to say something to his sons. And I believe that all of this hangs together in these first verses. And we can do this then by way of consecutive exposition. Notice the flow of thought. Solomon says, for instance, A wise son is one who makes his father glad by not making his money through illegitimate means. You see it there in verse 2? And if you are diligent, according to verse 4, and not negligent, also according to verse 4, you'll reap a harvest when the time comes. And according to verse 5, if the son acts wisely during the summer by working and working hard, he'll reap the benefits, including taking care of his family. But one who does not, but who sleeps during the harvest time, that one acts shamefully and is therefore both ashamed to himself, ashamed to his father, is also a grief to his mother, and therefore he won't be able to take care of them, presumably won't be able to take care of them in their old age, he won't be able to take care of his immediate family, and he won't be able to care for anyone else. You know, of course, that this is speaking in the context of an agrarian society. They all lived together. Sometimes they even lived in the same household. And it was the responsibility of sons 
to take care of their families because they were young and energetic and all of the men folk were responsible to take care of all of the women folk. The men folk were the ones who were caring for all of the outside duties. The women folk, by and large, were taking care of the inside duties. And the men were responsible for the harvest, for bringing in the game and the food. And the women were responsible for preparing it. And if the men didn't do what they were supposed to do because of their indolence and their laziness and their wickedness, there wouldn't be any food. There wouldn't be anything for the women folk to prepare. And it would be the undoing of the entire family. There wouldn't be any legacy left over. There wouldn't be anything to eat and there would be starvation. You throw in there the idea if there was a famine and you would have really slim pickings. You translate that into our culture and it may not be an agrarian society, it may be other things, but it's nonetheless the idea of productivity. Regardless of what it is, if someone's not a hard worker, the issue is the same. Are you working hard? And oh, how our culture needs to hear this message. We don't know what it means to work hard. And for us, it matters little about the idea of working hard physically. I often hear people, when they read a proverb like this, or some issue, and people automatically think that what something like this is talking about is working hard physically. And people say, well, people don't know what hard work is, and they automatically think that what that means is that it's working hard physically. And that's not what this is talking about. It's not just the idea of working hard physically. It means being productive in whatever you're doing, whether it's working hard physically or not. It's the idea of working hard, whatever it may be. It's being diligent, not being indolent or lazy. Our children know little of this. My children know little of what it means to work and work hard. Our culture militates against this kind of idea. Laziness, indolence. And so that's why the, the Proverbs are so good for us to read and reread and to meditate upon and to talk about and to talk about the implications of these kinds of very clear words from the Word of God. The blessings of hard work and productivity. Look again at verse 2. Ruminate on these words. Ill-gotten gains do not profit. But righteousness delivers from death. In other words, if you cheat, if you cut corners, if you try and receive money in an illicit way, you're not going to get ahead. It's not going to be profitable for you. That's where our forefathers come up with all of those phrases about doing an honest day's work for a what? An honest day's wage. Doing your work and doing it well and doing what you need to do and honoring your boss and doing the things that you know you need to do 
and showing up on time. And when you do it, doing it with a diligent hand and doing it with a good attitude. Ill-gotten gains do not profit. And you can back verse 2 up into verse 1 that if you do something by ill-gotten gains, that means illegitimate means, by, by doing something illegitimately, by, by cheating, you're going to be a, an unwise son and you're going to make your father unhappy and you're going to be a grief to your mother. Why? Because presumably they are godly people and when you do things by ungodly means... You're going to deny Yahweh. Because verse 3, the word the Lord there is that word Yahweh. The covenant name of God. The I am God. And since they're godly, they want you to do things in a godly way. Which means that when you work, and when you work hard, and when you do what God wants you to do, then you're going to receive money in a legitimate way because you're working hard at what you do and you're going to do it by godly means, not by ill-gotten means. By the way, could we say here that implicitly, I recognize that we're not saying it explicitly, this text is not teaching explicitly, but I believe it could be one of the implicit passages that teaches against gambling. Against gambling, ill-gotten gains do not profit. This is one of these implicit proverbial teachings against gambling, that is, attempting to obtain money by not working for it. That's what gambling is. Attempting to obtain money by not working for it. You say, well, I'm working for it. I'm, I'm spending a whole lot of time and effort trying to get it. You're not, you're not doing that. In fact, you're trying to get money by ill-gotten means and you're actually trying to get extra money from other people who are not working for it. You're trying to get their money and they're also trying to get your money through ill-gotten means. I recognize it's implicit, but this, as well as hundreds of Proverbs potentially, are speaking to the issue of gambling. If you don't believe me, I think you ought to read a book by Rex Rogers. Very well done. He's the president of Cornerstone University and Grand Rapids Seminary called Seducing America. Is it a good bet? Catchy title. Good book. Very well done. Solomon is telling us that if you work hard, the Lord, Yahweh, will deliver you from death. And by the way, because of the context, when it says here, ill-gotten gains do not profit, verse 2, but righteousness delivers from death, it's not necessarily talking about righteousness in the eternal salvation sense. It's talking about righteousness in the temporal sense. But righteousness delivers from death in the sense of starvation. In in the sense that righteousness will deliver you from death. God will deliver you in the sense that if you work hard, God will sustain you. Remember, in the Hebrew mind, when God took care of you as a Jew, God took care of you both in terms of your physical life as well as your eternal life. 
God took care of you. You did what God commanded of you and God obligated Himself to take care of you both in terms of your physical life as well as your eternal life. Ill-gotten gains do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. You do things God's way, you do it the right way, the righteous way, and God will deliver you. You say every single time, remember these are Proverbs. These are general principles. It's, it's generally true that what God does as a principle of life is this. You do the right thing, God will take care of you. Remember our study this morning from 1 Peter 5? You cast your anxiety on Him because He what? He cares for you. you cast your burden upon the Lord, He cares for you. This is the same. You try to work hard, you you do what God wants you to do, you don't try to gain, you don't try to profit in an ill-gotten way, but you do right things in the right way, you do your work hard, you are a diligent son and not a lazy son, and God will deliver you from death. God will take care of you, God will feed you. That's why King David said it this way, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He will not allow the righteous to hunger. But notice what it says. He will reject the craving of the wicked. See the contrast there? In fact, why don't you look all the way through chapter 10. Look at all the buts here. A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish son is a grief to his mother. Ill-gotten gains do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord will not allow the righteous to hunger, but He will reject the craving of the wicked. Do you see all the buts there? But, 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 all the way through there. Contrastative Proverbs. Notice those keys when you read the Word of God. Pick them up in your mind. Know what you're reading. You can find these things as you read and know then what you're reading and how to read them more clearly. Indeed, he goes on to say in verse 4, Poor is he, and remember, because it's one unit, poor is he, who is the he? The son, the lazy son, poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent son makes rich. You see, in the context, it is a son who gathers in the summer and who is so wise. Is that not so clear? So clear. Poor is this lazy son who works with a negligent hand. Now, notice, apparently he does work. Sometimes. It says he works, but he works with a negligent hand. He, he may apparently work occasionally, intermittently, but he works with a negligent hand. Uh, maybe he's sloppy, inconsistent, but 
the hand of the diligent makes rich. You mean like wealthy? Where he doesn't have to work anymore? No. See, he has a mindset. He has a mindset. He's going to work, and he's going to work steadily, and he's going to work consistently, and he's going to be taken care of. Why? Because he has the long-term view. Because he's wise. He's mature. He has the skill in the matters of daily living. He's working hard. If Solomon were here today, he might say it like this. Don't be lazy, children. Work hard. Be diligent. Or like Ecclesiastes says it, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Do it with all your might. I started looking through the Proverbs and I started expanding this sort of topical, textual idea of laziness and work. Laziness and work. And I want you to write these down and I want you to go through this with your children if you have them, your grandchildren or just on your own yourself. Look at Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs 6. Either look at them with me or write them down. Proverbs 6, 6 to 11. We looked at this when we studied it. Go to the ant, O sluggard. And this is in the category, by the way, of the next several Proverbs that we'll go over. This is in the category of the sluggard. All of these will be in the category of the sluggard. And then we'll look sort of positively at the category of work. Although some of this will be both positive and negative when we look at these. The sluggard. Go to the ant, O sluggard, Proverbs 6.6. Observe her ways and be wise which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. Now, instead of looking at the lazy son or the diligent son, the the Solomon of Proverbs 6 is saying, I want you to look at someone sluggard. I want you to look at the ant, which is an interesting thing. He's telling a man, a sluggard, to look at an animal. And he's saying, I want you to observe the ways of an ant so that you as a man can be wise. An ant has no chief, no officer, no ruler. In other words, has no one supervising this ant. But what this ant does is prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. In other words, they know exactly what they need to do to prepare themselves when they need their provision. Verse 9, How long will you lie down, O sluggard? In other words, you're not preparing yourself adequately. When will you arise from your sleep? Read in there, you lazy person. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And can't you see it in your mind's eye? You've got someone laying on their back with their hands folded right there on their chest, snoozing in the sunshine. Verse 11, here's the clincher. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. Look at Proverbs 13.4. Proverbs 13.4. 
And these Proverbs are meant to do just what I'm doing with them. Very little comment. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. But the soul of the diligent is made fat. This is one proverb that says you need to be fat. Proverbs 15:19. The way of the lazy is as a hedge of thorns. Ouch. But the path of the upright is a highway. That's what we might call easy street, right? No impediments. Just run right down easy street. But the way of the lazy, thorny. You're going to be all scratched up. You try to go that way. That's a great proverb. Proverbs 18, 9. There's another great one. What do you want to be, a lazy son or a diligent son? Proverbs 18.9. He also who is slack in his work is brother to him who destroys. Oh, that's good. He also who is slack in his work is brother to him who destroys. Chapter 19, verse 15. 19.15. Laziness casts into a deep sleep and an idle man will suffer hunger. Verse 24. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish, but will not even bring it back to his mouth. Why? Because he's lazy. So lazy, puts his hand to the dish and can't even get it back up to his mouth. That is lazy, I'd say. Chapter 20, verse 4. The sluggard does not plow after the autumn. Remember this agrarian society? The sluggard does not plow after the autumn, so he begs during the harvest and has nothing. Remember that analogy there in chapter 10, the one we're going over? The wise man, he works during the summer so that when the harvest comes in that fall time, right? He's got his produce. He's got it ready. Everything's fine. He's all set. What does the lazy man do? He doesn't do his work when he should. Now the harvest is there. He's not, he's not plowing. He's begging. Has nothing. Chapter 21, verse 25. The desire of the sluggard puts him to death. Why? Why? For his hands refuse to work. Verse 26. All day long he is craving while the righteous gives and does not hold back. Oh, that's so good. Chapter 24. Verse 30. I passed by the field of the sluggard and by the vineyard of the man lacking sense. Don't you love how the Word of God is so direct? I was passing by a field and I saw a sluggard, a 
a man who had no sense. And behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. When I saw, I reflected upon it. I I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. You've heard that before, haven't you? Then your poverty will come as a robber and your want like an armed man. What's, what's that telling us? The sluggard. He's not doing what he needs to do to his property, is he? He's not, he's not working. He's not keeping himself busy. He's not being diligent. And finally, looking at this sluggard, chapter 26, verse 15. It's the similar one to the one we looked at before. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is weary of bringing it to his mouth again. Wow. Now, how about work? How about some Proverbs just about work, about being a diligent worker. Go all the way back to Proverbs chapter 10 again. We'll go over a little bit of this when we get to it. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 16. I wanted to include it though here. Proverbs 10 16. The wages of the righteous is life. The income of the wicked punishment. It's that similar idea about righteousness delivers from death. The wages of the righteous is life. The income of the wicked is punishment. You do the right thing, God will give you life. Temporal life, eternal life. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11. Proverbs 12, 11. He who, teal, he who tills his land will have plenty of bread... But he who pursues worthless things lacks sense. Boy, is that clear? You work hard, you till your land, you'll have plenty of bread, but he who pursues worthless things lacks sense. Look at verse 14 of that same chapter. A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his words, and the deeds of a man's hands will return to him. Boy, that's a great verse on working with your hands. Verse 24. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the slack hand will be put to forced labor. In other words, you'll have the opportunity to do with your own hands what you desire if you're, if you're diligent, but if you're slack, somebody else is going to force you to do what they want you to do. Verse 27. A lazy man does not roast his prey, but the precious possession of a man is diligence. Oh, that's so good. Proverbs 14, verse 23. This is one of my favorites. In all labor there is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. In all labor there is profit. There's a whole lot of people that do a whole lot of talk. And there's a few people that work hard. But their working hard leads to profit. Proverbs 16, verse 26. Proverbs 16, 
This is, again, passage on being a good worker, a diligent worker. A worker's appetite works for him, for his hunger urges him on. He's going to work, and his hunger urges him to work even more. Proverbs 22, verse 29. This ought to encourage you in your job tomorrow morning. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Hey, are you skilled in your work? Are you trying to do a good work? Are you trying to be skilled at what you do? Are you working hard for your boss? Are you trying to be the best at what you do? Whatever it may be. Chapter 24, verse 27. Prepare your work outside and make it ready for yourself in the field. Afterwards then, build your house. Hey, maybe maybe you just need to Build a house. I don't know. Chapter 27, verse 18. He who tends the fig tree will eat its fruit, and he who cares for his master will be honored. Whatever you're doing, if it's caring for a master, care for him. Verse 23. Know well the condition of your flocks and pay attention to your herds. Verse 27, and there will be goat's milk enough for your food and the food of your household and sustenance for your maidens. Chapter 28, verse 19, he who tills his land will have plenty of food, but he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty in plenty. These are just, folks, Proverbs galore. That encourage us to work and work diligently and not to be a lazy son. Now, how can we wrap all of this up? Well, I sat down and I asked myself the question. Proverbs 10, 1 to 5, contrasting the lazy son, the diligent son. What are some practical principles for working hard And not being lazy. I'm going to give you 20 of them. And I'm just going to list them. I'm not going to explain a lot of them. And you're going to say, how can I write them down? Well, you're not. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to encourage the guys to put this on the website. Okay? And then you can just download them. All right? And then print them out. If you say, I'm not web savvy. All right? Just ask somebody in the church to to download it for you. Okay? Number one. Number one. Remember... That hard work is first and foremost a mindset. It's a mindset. So is laziness. So is laziness. Number two. Working hard and staying on task is a matter of self-control. It's a matter of self-control. Number three. Get up early. Get up early. Stand up when the alarm clock goes off. If you are pressing the snooze button more than once, stop. Right? Number four. 
Show your children that you believe these proverbs about laziness and work are important because you are reading them to them and you are attempting to live them out yourself. Number five, do the hard jobs first, then you can have fun. Do the hard jobs first, then you can have fun. Number six, love what you do as a vocation regardless of what it is. Love what you do as a vocation regardless of what it is. Ask God to give you His blessing and favor on where you are. That's what Joseph did, Genesis 39, regardless of where he was. Even in prison, it says, and Joseph gained favor in the eyes of the Lord. God granted him success. Number seven, don't try to make money by deceit or fraud. If you do, you'll be punished by God sooner or later. Remember the old commercial? The Fram oil filter, you can pay me now or pay me later. Sooner or later, folks, if you are involved in financial fraud, it will catch up to you and you will pay now or later. Work hard and work legitimately. Ill-gotten gains do not profit. Number eight, be honest with your employer about how much you work. If you're lazily collecting a paycheck, that's stealing. Number nine, don't work so much, however, that you need to reintroduce yourself to your family. Remember, there's a balance there. Number ten, if you travel too much for your wife's honest, loving assessment, seek to obtain another position in order to maintain harmony in the home. Number eleven, If your wife is regularly wondering how the bills are going to be paid and you're not taking the initiative to lead, confess your sin of a lack of leadership and take control of your family once again. Number 12, do you treat your work or house cleaning or schoolwork or whatever it is as though you will reap a harvest from your labors? Maybe in eternity. Maybe in eternity only. Maybe in eternity only from your heavenly Father who says, Well done, good and faithful slave. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Number 13. Do you work only in order to receive or do you take any satisfaction in simply doing good work for God and men? Number 14, lazy people often assume they are owed a handout whether they've worked for anything or not. Is this at all a part of your thinking as a young person? We are jam-packed in our country with lazy people who think they're owed things by most everyone. Is that not so? 15, When you are asked to serve in some way, do you attempt to take the path of least resistance because of your laziness? Volunteer. Step up to the plate. Sixteen. If people worked as hard in ministry as they did in their employment, how much more would be accomplished for the kingdom of Jesus Christ? Seventeen. Likewise, if some people were to be evaluated at work... Based upon how they performed in their ministries, would they be fired? 18. 
Confess to God that you are a lazy person if you are lazy. Say to Him that you have not been involved in hard work, whether that's ministry or your labor. Ask Him to cleanse you from sin. 19. Seek to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Ask the Spirit to make you a hard worker for God. Read and reread these Proverbs pertaining to both laziness and work. Memorize them if need be. When laziness creeps into your mindset, remind yourself of these things which the Word of God teaches. Believe that God can and will overcome the habits you've developed regarding work and diligence. And number 20 and last, pray for opportunities to become a hard worker, both at home, at work, at school, in ministry. Have families discuss how they can hold one another accountable to these things. Beloved, Proverbs 10, 1 to 5 is power packed because it simply asks the definitive question, are you a lazy son or a diligent son? Remember, your children are watching you and you want your children to leave a legacy to their children. It's here. What are we doing about it? Let's pray together. Father, we have the opportunity, we have the resources, we have the means, we have the Holy Spirit of God to be those who are diligent, not lazy. Far be it from us, Lord, that ill-gotten gains would be spoken of Christians. That we would be said to be working inconsistently with negligent hands. Father, we want to be those who are said to be diligent. Who are working hard in the power of the Spirit of God for the sake of Jesus Christ. To extend His kingdom. Lord, we want to be those for whom it is said They are the best workers in our company. They have the most loving and obedient children. They are not the ones who are complaining and murmuring, but are saying, how might I serve? Oh, and Lord, when we are tired... Might it be then that you would energize us for this service in the strength that you, God, supply? Lord, we know that it is the very gospel of Christ that is at stake here. 
these proverbs point to the very one who died for us to deliver us from this laziness. Lord, far be it from us to be characterized as sluggards and the indolent, to be unwilling and unable to place our hand to the dish and not bring it up to our mouths again. May we be those who are working so energetically for the cause of Your great name. I ask, Father, that You would allow us to be those models and examples. And whether it's physical labor spiritual labor, mental labor, that we exercise it with with great fervency and joy so that we are consistent and that you receive great honor so that whatever our hand finds to do, we're doing it with all our might. And Lord, when we are not that way, might we confess it to you and receive your gracious forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for meeting with us so wonderfully today. And may we have a renewed commitment in our families and in our work tomorrow. May we bask in the overflow of today so that you might gain the praise and we might be different as a result. Pray these things for Christ's sake. Amen.